This Dharma Talk is brought to you by the Chicago Zen Meditation Community. Learn about us and our teacher, Miyoshi Thompson, at zenchicago.org. Very nice to see you all here, and please let me know if there's some issue with the sound, but so far it seems okay. So in the spring, Miyoshi and I faced a delightful first world decision. Where do we want to go to celebrate my 70th birthday in September? Should we return to a place we've loved in the past, Paris, Hawaii, Yellowstone, or should we travel somewhere we've never been, like Italy? Miyoshi generously said he would go anywhere I wanted since it was my birthday trip. So I picked Maui. Yeah, Kanapali Beach, Mali, uh, Maui, which happens to be the next town over from Lahaina, which is now burned to the ground in the most deadly US fire in over a hundred years. That is a horrendous tragedy that I've been feeling very pained about. Of course, nothing I'm feeling compares to the anguish faced by those suffering loss of life home, history, and the residents of the area will be experiencing those things, unfortunately, for many years to come. But I personally have been struggling more emotionally than I usually do, much more tearful than I usually am. And I wanted to turn to my sangha with it and to have us think together about how the Buddha's medicine for pain and the Four Noble Truths might be able to help. Thich Nhat Hanh reminds us that for 45 years, the Buddha said, I teach only suffering and the transformation of suffering. After his great realization under the Bodhi tree, the Buddha began to teach the four noble truths. The first of these is the truth of suffering. The Buddha described the suffering generated by unpleasant physical or emotional feelings and the suffering associated with change. Or as Ramdas put it, not getting what you want, getting what you don't want, and the fact that everything happens in time and it's all transitory. Thich Nhat Hanh describes the Buddhist teaching in the discourse on turning the wheel of the Dharma. To practice turning the wheel of the Dharma for the first noble truth, we are instructed to recognize, examine deeply, accept, and understand our suffering. The poet Rumi said, the cure for pain is pain. So, Maui, I have been horrified, grief-stricken, and angry about the devastating fire. As you may know, an extremely fast-moving fire fanned by winds from a hurricane killed over 100 people, probably hundreds more that haven't yet been identified, and damaged or destroyed more than 2,200 buildings, many that had great historical and cultural meaning. Everything that could have gone wrong did go wrong in that awful, perfect storm way. Warning sirens failed to sound, communications were cut off, 
firefighters ran out of water. Helicopters couldn't be used because the winds were too high. And so the fire raged with little to stop it and no warning for people until they saw flames very nearby. The town's location was not like Chicago with multiple exit routes. It has mountains on one side and the ocean on the other with only one road leading north and south. And that road was blocked in both directions. People died in their cars, as they said, in traffic. I figured I would need these. I've been haunted by the thoughts of those people waiting for traffic to move and ultimately realizing there was no escape. Charred bones were later found that revealed a couple hugging. Here's the one that really gets me. A man got in the back seat of his car with his friend's beloved golden retriever and held him as they died together. There aren't that many living burn victims because everybody just died. So probably hundreds of people and pets lost their lives in a historic town where local residents had a community was decimated. It's estimated that rebuilding would take five and a half billion dollars in a period of years. Moreover, local people are worried, rightfully so, that developers will swoop in trying to get more land for tourist attractions and rich mainlanders, as is the case in so much of Hawaii already. As I read more about the human failures that contributed to this disaster, I felt angry and sad. Here's a headline from the Los Angeles Times that sums it up. Ignored warnings, hubris, slow response, fueled the US's deadliest fire in a century. It reminded me of other disasters like the pandemic in January 6th, in that some experts were well aware of the risks and issued warnings and recommendations that were disregarded. Evidence suggests that the fire started because high winds downed poorly maintained power lines as in those California fires, but mitigating fire risk was not a priority with the power company. It's very sad how poor human beings are responding to changing risks. We'd rather just expect and plan for the same problem that we had last time. So Hawaii is extremely prepared for the next tsunami, but not the newer threat of fire. And this is part of what makes me especially sad here. Climate change was a huge factor in this fire. I was last in Maui a decade ago, and I remember it is green and lush, but actually Maui has been getting drier and drier and Lahaina was considered to be in drought conditions. I didn't know this before booking my trip, but one of the major travel guides was listing Maui as a please don't travel there zone because of limited water and drought. The New York Times reported that the area burned by wildfires in Hawaii each year has quadrupled in recent decades. Exploitation of Hawaii's resources over the years also plays a role. Pineapple and sugarcane plantations once took up large areas of Maui and they were irrigated. 
but now those lands tend to be overgrown with invasive grasses that were brought in to feed animals. And those grasses, uh, which grow super fast, also become highly flammable in dry conditions. So I have been struggling to accept the painful truth that my beloved places like Maui and Yellowstone last year with the flood are already deeply affected by climate change, not in some distant future time after I make more happy vacation visits, but right now. So I'm very sad for Maui and self-centered human being that I am, I am really sad and disappointed for myself too. I really wanted to enjoy hiking and snorkeling and looking at plants and eating shave ice in Lahaina in the middle of fabulously gorgeous beaches and mountains while I celebrated a major birthday. For a week after the fire, we were wrestling with uncertainty about what would this mean for our trip? How would it be for us to go given this change? And how would it be for Hawaii? I still wanted to go very badly. Miyoshi knew how upset I'd been about the fire and was concerned that it would be too difficult to have to drive through Lahaina anytime we wanted to go anywhere. I was trying to tell myself that that might be okay. I already know life is terrible as well as beautiful. And so I could experience both in this visit, but had to admit he was right. This was really a bad idea. And more importantly than our personal preferences, what about Hawaii? Our tourists wanted. I was thinking perhaps in a month, tourist dollars would be regarded as helpful, but how could people who have just lost their homes and loved ones possibly welcome tourists? We've been studying steps in one of our Saturday study groups, and we recently discussed the one about not stealing. This precept is sometimes phrased as, I take up the way of not taking what is not freely given. One of our authors, Diane Rosetto, urges us to notice all the ways in which we are being greedy and grabby and feeling urgency about getting what we want. I was aware of some urgency and entitlement to getting the vacation I wanted. I'm turning 70. I chose Maui above all the other options. But people in Maui cannot possibly give freely to me as a tourist right now, so I shouldn't impose myself on them. We canceled the trip. The next day, I read a recommendation from the Hawaii Tourism Board that people not visit West Maui for several months. Even as I was writing that last statement several days ago, I noticed myself thinking, but what about North Maui? Maybe that's far away enough. <laughs> So I've been doing lots of work of recognizing and understanding my suffering about Maui, but I would say acceptance is still a work in progress. And that line of thinking leads me to the second noble truth, which is about the arising of suffering. Thich Nhat Hanh stated that it's a common misunderstanding of the Buddha's teaching to think that he said that all suffering is caused by craving. Craving is merely the first on a list of human afflictions that also include ignorance, arrogance, and wrong views. Thich Nhat Hanh comments that the first step here 
is the recognition that we are continuing to create suffering for ourselves by behaviors that feed suffering, such as the sense impressions that we're letting in and our intention or will. In regard to sense impressions, I probably don't need to read any more accounts by survivors who jumped into the ocean or see any more pictures of burned cars. I don't need to cultivate more empathy by greater immersion in the suffering of others at this point. I need to get more of a break from it. Buddha's writing about intention or volition here refers to our desires to get what we want. The strength of my wish for a Maui vacation, despite the current circumstances, is causing me ongoing suffering. Continuing to turn the Dharma wheel with the second noble truth entails giving up the ways that lead to suffering. The Buddha recommends practicing the four immeasurable minds of love, compassion, joy, and equanimity as an antidote to craving, greed, ignorance. Focusing on the well-being of those on Maui instead of my own self feels like a positive direction. As Miyoshi mentioned, we felt good about donating to the Maui Humane Society, which is working hard on reuniting survivors with their pets and caring for burned and lost animals. It's also been encouraging to read about how the sense of community is very strong for local people. And they've been doing a phenomenal job of helping each other with generosity and creativity. The third noble truth concerns the cessation of suffering. Steps involve recognizing the possibility of the absence of suffering and encouraging ourselves to find peace and joy. I can still enjoy my garden every day without going to Maui. Thich Nhat Hanh reminds us that the greatest miracle is to be alive. I am fortunate not to have been in Lahaina in the middle of the fire. No harm came to me or my loved ones or my home. Moreover, Impermanence also means that difficult things will evolve and that growth is possible. Lahaina will be rebuilt. Healing will slowly take place for those most affected by the disaster. And more attention will probably be paid to mitigating wildfire risk in Hawaii and elsewhere. I'm far from unique and loving Maui despite having never lived there. And I hope that catastrophe in this place, precious to millions of people, can serve as one more alarm that many aren't hearing yet about the reality of climate change now. I happened to see the Barbie movie with a couple of friends in the middle of my suffering about Maui. And it was a real mood lifter. As I'm sure a number of you already know, it was hilarious, clever, and had a refreshingly feminist message, but I also found a Buddhist theme in it. Barbie wants everything to stay exactly the same in perfect Barbie land. And she's very perturbed to be told that actually real life involves constant change all the time. Spoiler alert for those who haven't yet seen it. Despite the distress about that, she still opts for being a human being in the real world of impermanence. 
As I read about the tragedy in Maui, I kept thinking the words, no escape. There was literally no escape for those people trapped in cars on a blocked road caught between a raging fire and an ocean. The Buddha taught that there's no escape from illness, old age, and death. There is no escape from change and loss, including that related to climate change. But there is the present moment, as the Buddha taught in this classic parable, which we've looked at before, and I probably shared before, but it's really sharing again. So the Buddha told this parable in a sutra. A man traveling across a field encountered a tiger. He fled, the tiger after him. Coming to a precipice, he caught hold of the root of a wild vine and swung himself down over the edge. The tiger sniffed at him from above. Trembling, the man looked down to where, far below, another tiger was waiting to eat him. Only the vine sustained him. Two mice, one white and one black, little by little, started to gnaw away the vine. The man saw a luscious strawberry near him. Grasping the vine with one hand, he plucked the strawberry with the other. How sweet it tasted. And the fourth noble truth teaches us that there is a path out of suffering. Thich Nhat Hanh calls this the noble eightfold path that leads to well-being. We must practice right view, right thinking, right speech, right action, right livelihood, right diligence, right mindfulness, and right concentration. We have to practice this path, not just intellectualize about it. It's so easy to fall back into self-centered behavior and rigid thinking. We really need Sangha so that we can encourage each other to do the hard work of embracing our suffering and remind each other to cultivate joy as well. And thanks, Tim, for your helpful focus on that. Miyoshi and I have gone through quite a process in deciding where to go on my birthday trip, if not Maui. First, we were thinking we would go to another Hawaiian island, Kauai, but ultimately had concerns that all of Hawaii might be problematic in regard to tourists in the near future. How about St. John, which we have loved in the past, but it was smashed by a couple of bad hurricanes in recent years, and September is high hurricane season. So we decided on a domestic trip to a beach area that we carefully found was not in the path of earthquakes or tsunamis or wildfires. Southern California. <laughs> it seemed disaster proof. And I had no sooner booked the trip than the news reports began coming out about the possibility that the first hurricane in 80 years could strike Southern California. The National Hurricane Service issued its first ever tropical cyclone warning for Southern California, and there's a state of emergency there today. It made me think about a situation on Maui I had read about in which a couple had stashed $50,000 of cash in their home safe. Some of you might have read about this. And I imagine they thought that was disaster proof too. If the bank went under or the stock market tanked, they would have cash. After the fire, 
They returned to the site where their home had burned and the safe was still there. But when they opened it, they saw that their money had been incinerated and there was nothing but ash remaining. As I said, there is no escape from impermanence, but there is a path. So enjoy your strawberry, hug your golden retriever. If we are lucky, we have more time before our particular fire gets here. And let's keep helping each other on this path of practice. I felt some lifting of my suffering as I prepared this talk for tonight, and I welcome your thoughts. Thank you.